crowd are looking, throws it, alley, oh, he puts it down, he puts it down, it's over! Welcome into the Just Basketball Show, happy Labor Day, it is Monday, September 4th, we are back with you, I'm Brendan Clean. that is Chris Manning, please follow, please subscribe, please give us all of your nicest ratings wherever you're finding the show, especially on YouTube. Drop a comment. Tell us your thoughts on Team USA. Grow in that community. 400 subscribers. Doesn't sound like much, but hey, you know, it's been only six months. So become 401 or whatever you're going to be. Want to shout out our friends at Homage, ultra, ultra comfortable specialty apparel company with NBA and WNBA licenses. They use vintage inspired designs. They also have some cool stuff from like teams and logos that don't even exist anymore really good uh you know old school vibes going on there figures across sports music and pop culture we have national parks tons of great stuff use the link below in the bio if you want to buy something we get a little bit of credit for it supports us and you get something beautiful to put on your body and rock your favorite team we're going to talk about uh the world cup and the wnba as those i'll stretch run for the w and the world cup kind of hits its top gear and then we're starting our season preview series. We're going to go one by one, every single team in the entire NBA, starting with the San Antonio Spurs today. We're going from the bottom of the standings all the way up to the top. So we're starting with the teams that don't get a ton of love. And right as the season comes around, we will be hitting on all of the favorites and the champion, reigning champion, all that good stuff. But before we do any of that, Chris, uh, we're going to bring back uh, a, a fan favorite, a crowd favorite, an audience favorite that I just decided was all of those things, um, which is called Make It Basketball. We did this a few weeks back when there was a bunch of NFL news. Jonathan Taylor trade demand, I think, was one of the yep. uh, original Make It Basketball games that we played. But in this case, I just like to laugh at very rich people who do clownish things. So that's the spirit of this one, which is in the world of soccer, Dan Friedkin the owner of AS Roma, um, personally flew his new signing, Romelu Lukaku, from, I believe, England, or wherever Lukaku was, to Rome, after the transfer agreement was finalized. And again, Make It Basketball is some crazy story that's not about the NBA or the world of basketball, and then we decide how to make it Basketball, which is why it's called Make It Basketball. Which NBA owner would do this? There's one that immediately came to mind. Okay. And it's Mark Cuban. This is easily something Mark Cuban would do. Mark Cuban, if he needs to like fly to Slovenia to like make sure Luca gets back to the United States, he's going to do it. If he can, like, if he had to fly to, to Kyrie and like get Kyrie to come back, I think he would probably do it. I think this and he would. This, this is the obvious answer. I think there is a there are a couple other ones we could throw out. There's one I would say would be the person I think is least likely to do this. That I like they would be like plus like five hundred thousand if we were to like bet on this, and that's James Dolan. James Dolan would never do this. But if there is a person who, who would absolutely do this, it's Mark Cuban. There's there's zero question that I think Mark Cuban is the obvious answer here. It's it's the easy one. It's the it's the you know the most we're obvious, playing, and I don't mean that in a bad way. But yeah, there's a lot of candidates. Was really yes. why I wanted to do this because of the sheer number of people in the league that we love and cover that would do 
something like this. And I'll mention Dan Friedkin is an American dude who just happens to own a Serie A team. This is not an Italian guy because other countries aren't as uh, insane as us. I, I don't think other people handle themselves the way that he, Americans uh, handle well, themselves. He, do, 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 I, when you put him in here, I had to like Google to see how he got his money. Do you know what his like path to wealth is? Uh, he's like a media mogul slash film producer. Well, so he he's the American... He is the... He is the owner and CEO of Gulf States Toyota, which is the distributor of Toyota in the U.S. And he mm-hmm. he got that holding from, from his father's. So this is like a Nepo baby rich guy. Oh, they all are. I know, but this is like... This is just like... An, this is just one of those ones that really makes me giggle more than anything else. Because it's yes, like... Here's like this he, holding fund to distribute a very popular brand of car. Levied that into... Yes. Media stuff. Yes. Um, he is the producer he's produced of the, killer, the film Parasite. I mean, he's he's yeah. produced great, which is amazing that a guy this rich produced Parasite. He also is producing Killers of the Flower Moon, but I yeah. digress. Yeah. So um, the other answer that I want to just throw out there, I mean, like uh, Michael Rubin came to mind, not an owner anymore. He of the formerly wait, wait, of the Philadelphia wait, wait, bro, 76ers one, one, and a white party wait, 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 thrower. Wait, wait, wait. One last freaking fact. I'm just on his Wikipedia page right now. Do you know he piloted an authentic Spitfire in a dogfight and landed it during the movie Dunkirk? Well, that's why he can is? fly. So that's the impetus for the whole thing we're talking but this, about. But, this, but okay, I'm just saying. Well, it's not that why is like, he can fly, but it's like the, but like the line of development of his hobby that led to him picking our boy Romelu up and. Uh, and taking him home to his new home. Yeah, yeah it's okay, I, sorry. It's I just a, read the most rich man thing that there could possibly be. Har- but Harrison Ford's like, "Can I please fly?" And they're like, "No, this guy gets to fly." That's where we're at. So let me um, throw one more okay. name at you. Well, Tillman Fertitta came to mind. I think he's just too strange. No. He could yeah, never no, learn to pilot that, no. a, a, a private plane or anything. Um, Somebody who I think would actually take the time to learn this just for the clout and the optics who we aren't used to thinking of as an NBA owner fully, Alex Rodriguez. Oh, yeah. That's Alex Rodriguez one. would pull something like this and, and want like a ton of attention for it. Would Ishbia do this? Maybe. This, that was the other one that came to mind. Yeah, um, Ish- everything's on the table for Matt Ishbia. I mean, we're in month six, and the dude has done like five of the craziest things in the league in the past six months alone. So, yeah, the the other two that came to mind were Vivek, for me. Yes, easy. Yep, like easy. And then uh, he's not technically the owner of the team, but Grant Gilbert is the son of Dan Gilbert, the mm-hmm. owner of the Cavs. Grant has like a lot of hobbies that are just like kind of I think like the product of like the life he's been able to live. Um, yeah. And if one day one day I learned that he was like I really got into flying, I'm gonna like fly to like bring over like our uh, pick, like I flew Donovan Mitchell like from his home in New York to Cleveland for the starting training camp. I'd be like, sure, that makes sense. Yeah. It's uh, it's not a short is, list, but well, is 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 Dolan the? Am I right in saying Dolan's the one who absolutely would never do this? Is it him and is it him and like who is it? Herb Simon, the other one. 
Well, I was going to say, there's a lot of age-related reasons that some folks wouldn't participate <laughs> in this. Uh, but yeah. uh, no, I think James Dolan would. I think the only reason James Dolan okay. will never do this is because he's not ever getting a free agent. He's flying his bander. He's flying the street shooters around. He's just flying the draft pick home because nobody's ever going to go to the Knicks. He doesn't yeah. have to worry about this, you know. Okay. Um, all right. Let's go to the I World like Cup. This. Yeah. Yeah. We made it basketball. We made it basketball. Uh, Team USA, let's start there. We, we always save them for the end, so let's not do that this time. And when I first made this outline, they had just come back to beat Montenegro by double digits, but that was a pretty close game. Wasn't even really a Nikola Vucevic thing so much as just uh, the team and some flukish shooting, which followed them into the match against Lithuania, which they did lose. Although even that game ending up as close as it was, I think makes you feel slightly better. You can tell me if you feel differently, Chris, because uh, they were up double digits after the first quarter. Lithuania just shot the lights out again not even really a Valanchunas thing outside of you know Jaron Jackson got in foul trouble so that played a a pretty big role here uh, and he could not get a rebound to save his life but I think this team is playing about as I expected but there are some warning signs I think stylistically especially from what we've seen the past couple games in this uh, second round yeah, I think the, the the Sunday game to me was one of the weirdest things about it is just it didn't feel like the way they play in these close games late does not feel like the way a Steve Kerr team plays in locally like close late games. That to me is the thing that feels weirdest about this. And I and I think there is something the idea that like this is just World Cup basketball. It's not like you don't even have like the benefit that like international soccer teams do where you get like international breaks like the nba season isn't pausing for for a week a month after it started to like hey like you guys go play with team usa like work on that like that doesn't happen here so like you really are putting this together like kind of on the fly and i think you saw late in this game the three main engines on offense for team usa were anthony edwards jalen brunson over tyler talibur in this case and brandon ingram what those three guys all were like, I want to play with the ball in my hands. I want to play ISO ball and I want to take tough threes. I mean, even Ant, who has the ability to just dunk on people and relish is doing it, had a moment. I texted you where we were watching, we were texting about this game as it was on. He had a, he hit a three. He gets this, he get, they get a, a stopper seal, can't remember which. And he takes another pull up three when like they didn't need that then. But like there's this instinct to just hear a ball it a little bit when they, when their backs got pressed against the wall. Some of that I think is like, our guys going through this for the first time and it playing in this context for the first time. I think there has to be some of that there. But this doesn't feel like the way like let's say like Curry who who obviously understands Kerr in a way that no one else probably ever will in a basketball sense that there's that marriage there. Like I don't yeah. think. Curry's going to react like that if Team USA face adversity in Paris next year. No, but I mean, to your point, Curry's not even the initiator on that team. He's the finisher, really, in a lot of ways yes. for this for the Warriors. So, I think you know, one, <laughs> there's no Draymond. Yes. Anywhere outside of Draymond Green's body, there is not another Draymond Green. Right? He's the one and only, and so. Not to likely, we won't have to find out what Steve Kerr's system would look like without Draymond in Golden State because that guy just signed a new a new contract and 
Kerr might just retire by the time that's over. But in this context, I do think that the lack of time hurts. You know, I was going back and I, I wanted to watch some highlights of the Olympic team late in games for this reason uh, under Popovich. Was it different? Is this just how Team USA plays? Whatever. And I think that as complicated or I guess, you know, I don't even know what the word would be that we think of Pop's offenses as being. There's a lot of ball movement. There's a lot of actions on and off the ball to set up pretty simple finishing moments for the person with the ball or a catch-and-shoot play or whatever, but there is a lot going on with Pop's offenses. I think the difference is a lot of it's just on on ball. It's just, you know, you're going to set a screen and then that guy's going to set a screen for the ball handler and there's going to be a shooter peeling out, a guy rolling to the basket and somebody having, you know, driving with the ball in their hands. With Kerr, it's in Golden State, so much more complicated than that. So you're not going to be able to do that. So then it's like, okay, well, we know with the Warriors, it, it ends up devolving into pick and roll, but that's where your Curry point comes in. I don't think any of the guys on this team are quite elite enough to do that at a at a consistently high level the way Shea or Luca are in this tournament. So then you just do start to run out of out of answers. I just was surprised by the level of selfishness, frankly. And I don't even want to say that like individually in each player's head it's like it's it's me i'm doing like i don't even think it's that it just felt like they panicked and their default setting kind of came out and their default setting was like chuck up pull up jumpers and i have to admit that did surprise me even though it's been such a short window i just would have thought that kerr and the amount of talent there and the fact that i don't think of a lot of those guys as like ball hog types of players I would have thought that it would have been a little bit more egalitarian, even though it was kind of falling apart at the end. I'm not surprised, to be honest with you, because I think that's just kind of what happens in some of these circumstances. Like, you don't have the familiarity. You don't have a training camp that's like a real robust preseason in the way that like an NBA team is. You don't have like years of continuity with guys. Like, Ant has like never played with like the, the five, the four guys he's on the court with at the end of the game. He doesn't. He hasn't played with them in the way he's played with Towns, or even played with Pat Bev, or played with. Yeah, but like, like how much has Josh Giddy played with Team Australia? I there's something with Team USA though that just feel like I don't know if this is just like we look at this differently. I don't know if like. I, here's what I would say: without report having reported this or like talked to anyone about this in a detailed way. I think there is like a diff. The USA program, I think, is a little bit like you can come in when you've like proven yourself at the NBA level, and these other guys kind of come through this system in a different way. Like it's not like so. Okay, if you go back and look at some of the U17 teams, some of the U19 teams that were like, are you talking about right now? Because are you our like youth program? If you watch those games, it's even worse. Yeah, it's well, it's, it's look. There's a talent gap conversation to have about the rest of the world catching up. But if you go look even at a couple of years ago, there yeah. there are under like FIBA World Cup U19 and U17 teams that have Tyrese Halliburton, they have Scotty Barnes, yeah. they have Evan Mobley, they have Kate Cunningham, they have Jalen Green. Right? Those guys don't get the opportunity to play in those tournaments and then like directly break in to the national team and there's not like a coherent like the coaching is different everything at that level is different 
before you level up. It's like, okay, you get there, you, you're great at this level, that, that's part of your path to get to the NBA. If you then break out in the NBA and become a superstar, you get to come back to Team USA and join the program. That It is a different mm-hmm. setup than like... It's treated the same way that like ESPN rankings and Jonathan Gavoni columns are. It's like, it's yeah. all hype-based. It's all rankings-based. It's not like... Yeah. The guys that play the best together you see a lot of times guys who even get drafted in the nba from other countries don't make their national teams yes even if they've had more acclaim or achievement in their pro careers if they're young and they haven't had the history with the program they don't play but what's crazy to me i guess it just disappoints me is like it kind of proves the worst things the worst perceptions about the nba stylistically and that that like sucks frankly like watching that game i was like seriously this is what this is what it looks like. Yeah, well, like honestly, like I think it would be cooler if like Team USA had this era where it's like, I don't know how you do this fairly. I understand you don't necessarily want to like you only have these twelve men rosters. I kind of maybe think maybe they expect to expand these rosters in some way. I think that could would, but that's maybe just a Team USA only problem, or at least mostly a Team USA problem. I kind of think it would be cooler if they just actually built continuity within the program and like got guys to stick around and play for like. So does that mean picking worse players intentionally so that they can at least grow? Or because that's what you would that have to or, do. That or like I maybe there's there's some way you could get like one of these like like have a if there's someone that is a part of that older class and I understand they're worried about the miles on their legs and all that stuff and I get I'm sympathetic to that I'm not saying they're wrong, but like it would have been cool to have like Curry or Durant, or someone... Well, it's been Durant, right? But I just think none of these NBA guys are going to play in the World Cup. Like, you just have to... You you have to level with yourself if you're Grant Hill or Steve Kerr, like, that you're not getting them. So if you want somebody to be, like, a leader of the program on the off-year stuff, too, then you have to pick somebody worse, I think. I th- But I think it might be worth it, or I think you need to... I think you need to try to, like, sell someone on stepping into that and saying, like, look, I understand it's not the sexiest thing for these A-plus-level name-brand older stars to play in the World Cup all the time, but guys do it for other countries. Like, obviously, some guy set out this year. I know, you know, Jokic... <laughs> yeah, but that play. might be changing, too, right? Like, that's the funny part, yeah. you know? Which, which I think sucks. Giannis and I, Jokic I first- might have just kind of set a little bit of a precedent, even though it's technically health-related. It's like, they probably could have played, you know? Right, and I... Th- yeah, Jokic probably more so than Giannis. I I, I gather. Yeah, right? I'm not even challenging Giannis it. Like, surgery. yeah, right. You know, I, babies they're, or they're, anything. I'm just saying, like, they may, they probably could have if it really mattered. I think Giannis could have. I mean, you're telling me he's going to be fully good in a month, but he can't be playing basketball right now. Like, I think it was a choice. Here's just the thing. Here's the thing that I think I come back to. Team international, like international soccer is a point of comparison. Those teams have like a generational, like guys coming out of the squad, coaches can change all that stuff. But you're like building something with like a core group of guys and bringing new talent and developing a system and developing a way you want to play roughly. Obviously, it will get tweaked. You will have different adjustments game to game, all that stuff. I understand that. But you're actually like building a coherent program, knowing you're going to have the same guys year in and year out, especially with Team USA. I think more so than any other program, it feels like. You don't get that. When we get to the Olympics in Paris next summer, Brendan, this team is going to have a different field. Yes, the coach will be the same. A lot of the coaching staff is probably going to be the same. But like, it's going to be a different group of players. You're not getting to take this and say, hey, a lot of you are going to come back next year. Go with us to the Olympics and build on this and improve. You don't get that. And I think you lose something 
in what this team is and what this team can do when you don't have that con- con- continuity is a real asset in all of this. And Team USA just never has it. Like, they don't have that anymore. And I get why. I just, but I don't have to like it. I absolutely don't have to like it. And I don't like it. I did not like it at 7 o'clock Pacific time this morning, I'll tell you that. Let me throw a few personnel things at you. Uh, people love to bring up that Team USA should have Trey Young on it because the people who uh, have okay, but that's, the okay. internet microphone. Hold on. No, I'm not going to talk about Trey Young specifically. So hold on. I don't want to get into a Trey Young conversation. No, it's not a Trey Young conversation. This spawned a question to me, though. If You mentioned maybe a worse player to be like the shepherd of your generation. Who are you recruiting? If you could pit, like, if you're not going to get Steph, if you're not going to get Durant, who are you recruiting to do this? Who is well, like I the f- guy you're saying? Is it Ant? No, and this gets to what I was about to talk about. So I think it's a good segue. Okay. I, to me, like the the perfect kind of option for that that fits that slot and that mold and the type of player we're talking about right now would be Tyrese Halliburton, and. When I watched that team, I, I don't think it needs to be Trey Young. But again, referring back to the Olympics, Damian Lillard is on that team. And I think that there is something to be said for a team that wants to play curveball but can't. If you're devolving into something else, and we've seen that Ant has still had success even in these narrow wins or in the Lithuania case, a loss, this team just needs players who can break the defense down off the dribble. And if, if you don't have that, you are at a disadvantage no matter what situation you're I mean, we're about to talk about Canada. They have one of those guys, and that's why their games have been such slogs is any time that Shea is getting defensively swarmed or if he's off the court, it just becomes a nightmare. And I think you could mm-hmm. say the same about if Ant doesn't just get to the basket and lay the ball in, it's a Brandon Ingram pull-up too. Or a Mikhail Bridges pull up too, which he he had a travel late in this game. Austin Reeves and uh, a couple other guys had some bad pull up jumpers. Jalen Brunson missed a corner three. There were so many times that possessions just ended in a crappy way. So, I mean, it's revisionist history. It kind of doesn't matter now. I guess it matters in terms of who they put onto the court late in these games. But I think they need to focus more on guys who can create advantages off the dribble in these tight games. They can't just have it be Ant and a bunch of shooters, in my opinion. That that has proven it, it's not going to work. There's not enough ball handling and not enough penetration happening. So who it, who do you... Let me put it this way, because we can't rearrange what this roster is. We can talk about next summer, next summer. But like yeah, Halliburton and Brunson? Reeves and Halliburton and Ant? Like... It, is that where we need to see this go? Because the lineups that have been out there, I think, are leaving something to be desired. I'm tempted to say Jaron, but like, there's that Joel Embiid part of that hanging over this, where it's like if Joel Embiid says he wants to play for Team USA, that bo- that man is going to be starting in in Paris. Like he will be the starting center, health provided in Paris, if he says he wants to play for Team USA. I I don't doubt that. I think like Reeves is like your twelfth guy. No, I'm talking about this in this tournament. I'm saying yeah. who needs to be on the court late in the game to uh, um, score more ha- effectively Hall- because that's the you gotta, current yeah, problem. Yeah, okay, my bad. I I I'm fantasizing about like about telling like someone that have to steal because you're trying to build a real roster. Um, you want Curry and Embiid next summer, which I I, I hear, but uh, we gotta well, wait I a just, little. I, 
look, I just I'd like to win a gold in like three days and then worry about that. I'm not, not even free, so much like a week. Like, this is yeah. Okay. My 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 broader point is I just like want to build like an actual program because I think actual yeah. programs like allow you to win. But that like this wouldn't shock me at some point if there's another like t- like Athens Olympics like debacle. Like, no, we're headed I, there. Like, I we're headed there, and if okay, we're on the same page. Regardless, I think the f- could happen. I think the next time we record, we could be talking, or you know, next well, week we I mean, could be I, talking. I about don't this. think, but I but I think it, if it, they didn't care in China, they they wouldn't care about this. It would be if they mess up the Olympics next. Yeah. Summer. Okay, so answer my okay, question: Who should okay, be out there? Okay. Ant, Halliburton, Brunson. I think those three, Ingram okay. or McHale. Probably, I would prefer Mikhail if I'm being honest, for defensive purposes, and yes. just like, like, and then Jaron. I think that's your. Five. I think that's the five. Or like, I, I think could be Reeves over some, Brunson, maybe. Yeah, I, I, I think if you want to Reeves for defensive purposes would make sense. I think you just need to like put more guys who like don't want to just take pull up threes. Mm-hmm. Like, here's the thing. There's a world, Brendan, where, like, one of these guys steps into... You know, you know how, like, Olympic Mello was, like, a thing? Where yeah. Mello just, like, stood in the corner and bombed threes? We don't have really anyone in this team that's just kind of been like, yeah, I'll do that. Well, I like, think that that's the be- thing about... Uh, also, one of the things about the team is there's no great shooter. And I think the last time we talked about Team USA, I brought up... Well, we were talking about Ingram, who I do want to get to in a second. Uh, a follow-up on that. But I said, what about Cam Johnson over him? Cam Johnson's not, like, really playing much right now and Mm -hmm. he's at least a 40 percent shooter you know that's the thing like reeves bridges you know halliburton brunson these guys are all like average just above average in terms of their just straight up their percentage it'd be nice to have a better one of those too so yeah i I guess i hope we see a little bit more experimentation it's it's do or die now these are these are this is the knockout round so it kind of has to be but real quick um one to ten worry about this team in this tournament all all the negative side so like uh i think it's just like a five because i think i was kind of already there yeah because like this game you kind of got like math and and physicality with the rebounds because of the centers that lithuania has and it's like okay not every team's going to do that to you like i don't think they're really facing this issue against italy in the quarters like they're probably just gonna no. like be okay and like get there and then maybe they lucked it comes out up again they they absolutely looked out. So I, I, it's like a five just because I don't think this team is infallible, but certainly like there's some issues. I think like is I think our tone being a little more skeptical. I think all of this, the the issues we've seen are like very predictable issues within what Team USA is. Yeah, I think so. Um, I'll I'll go seven uh, just because I think the only player I would say I feel great about right now coming off of this loss to lithuania is ant <laughs> and yeah. i mean lithuania is eighth in the in the world so it's not like it's some embarrassment to lose to them in terms of the fiba rankings but this wasn't the u.s losing to france or luca or something like that so I, that's why or I'm like a or like a, or like one of the or one of the great spain teams or something sure um, all right, real quick, Ingram benched. Josh Hart has been starting, although against Montenegro, Hart played a little more. Against Lithuania, not so much. And Ingram actually had a couple of nice offensive moments in that game. Um, 
Kerr kind of alluded to the same problems we're talking about. You just don't have a lot of time to know the identity of your team in this con- in this context. They liked that, I think, heading into these two battles against really physical, bigger teams. They wanted to have Hart's toughness and aggressiveness. They were pressing late, and they put Hart back out there, so you do kind of see it from a defensive standpoint. The interesting thing to me is that Ingram said he agreed with this, and it's really what I want to ask you is just from the Pelican standpoint, are we feeling like this might eventually lead to a better outcome? Ingram having to figure this out? Because it kind of felt like he needed a little bit of a reality check and maybe having it now versus when Zion's there scoring 30 and Ingram goes like two for 12 one night in November and it leads first take the next morning. Not that the Pelicans would ever leave for, lead first take, but feels like it's nice to get it out of the way now if he can continue to actually adjust in a positive way. Yeah, I, I think it's just this this feels like him kind of going through it. And I think this is where like it's I think one of the beauties of Team USA is just that you guys do have to get forced to be uncomfortable if they're going to thrive. And there's not very many NBA situations anymore where if you're good enough to play in a national team that you have to go through discomfort and go through adjustments. Like most of the time you just get handed things now, honestly, like not to mm-hmm. be like tro- I, I feel like I sound like a trophy culture boomer a little bit when I say that. But, like, honestly, like, there is there is a need for sacrifice to win in a team sport. There just is. Like, you yeah. don't get, not, like, I think for Ingram, who is, like, if Kevin Durant can sacrifice for the teams he plays on, I think, like, Brennan Ingram should have to sacrifice. <laughs> the guy who Ingram's been compared to his whole career, yeah. Maybe he could learn a thing yeah. or two, right? Yeah, like, I think every single player, with, like, very few exceptions, and even those guys, I think, sacrifice, like, little bits in certain ways. All, everyone in these situations is sacrificing, and I think it, it yeah. when you have to go through it at the national team level, when it's when it's more drastic because the talent level of the overall team is higher. Like the twelfth man on Team USA is like much better than your twelfth man on the NBA roster. That's just the reality of it. Going to have to go through this. I think it teaches you something. The question is like, how do you apply it? Like, do you say, I never want to do this again. I want to play this way. Or do you take it to heart and be like, oh, this is, there's a way to, to do this and make my team better because I'm willing to, to give for the, for the sacrifice of the greater good a little bit. That's, that's the question. So to me, Ingram, uh, it, it, the, the KD in Golden State, in Phoenix now, like that is... That's basically the blueprint, and you're seeing it a little bit. I think even, you know, really what's happening is he's just playing with worse lineups, so when he does go into, you know, creator mode, it's just not as damaging. Like, I don't know if he's really adjusted too much, to be honest, but sure, there's going to be times where, because he is a good passer, because he can shoot, and he has the size and, and length to be a good defender, even if that's never fully materialized that he's going to just be like an awesome three and D guy for a great team. And then he just has to trust that when it comes back to him, his ability to be a closer will, will win out and he'll have those opportunities. But I think on a Zion Williamson team with CJ McCollum in there and whatever role players they have spacing the floor and, and doing the dirty work, like Ingram's role is going to be reduced on the best version of that team too, not just this team USA. So he has to apply it. Um, all right, let's go to Canada. And uh, we'll talk about some of these other teams a little rapid fire. So they lost to Brazil. 
Brazil was just owning them on the offensive glass, had some decent shooting luck, and uh, gave gave Canada a little bit of a scare, but their group was somewhat weak, so they play this winner-takes-all game against Spain where the winner gets first in the group and the loser is eliminated. Pretty intense, and Canada does win that game. They will play Slovenia in the quarterfinals. Um it's hard for me with this Canada team to not just think about the future, Chris, because they are getting by at the narrowest of margins in these games. It's like, can Lou Dort hit a three? Can Dylan Brooks hit a three? Can, can Dwight Powell get an offensive rebound? And can Shade get to the line like 15 times and save us? And I don't think that they're going to win this tournament, but... A lot of the physicality and emotional kind of heart that the young team is playing with has me pretty excited. And I think that's part of why I'm thinking of the future, too. They're winning, but they're also kind of flashing what I think we all hoped would make them fun. This is all about the future for them. I think if you start a head coach, this is Jordi Fernandez's who cool for him to beat Spain. You shouted this out in our in our text. That's that's amazing. This is his first rodeo as the head coach of the national team. This is his first chance to like really do this. I'm sure he's learning a lot through this. This is Shea's first big tournament being the lead guy like this. And he I mean he delivered really big to, to get them Olympic qualification to get them into the quarters against Luca. That's a really big deal. And then you think about okay, just they'll get Jamal Bergen back, hopefully you would think for the Olympics. Twenty four years after they last played the Olympics, hopefully you get Andrew Wiggins. And you, you're talking about a team with a ton of NBA talent, a ton of really competent guys, still some real roster holes and concerns, but a team that will then have at least gone through some stuff and then have guys that will be adding in that I, like, I don't have concern about Jamal Murray. I don't have concern about Andrew Wiggins like feeling comfortable on that stage in the way that you might have, they didn't have the, the playoff reps that they did. So, yeah, yeah, I'm all with this. I think this is all about the future of Canada and the future, I, the future feels very bright for, for where this is going. They need another ball handler. Yes, Murray would. Murray would be like it. Murray in a lot of ways is like the perfect complement to Shea in this setting because he can play like he he's used to not always having the ball in his hands. But it, when Shea sits or if they or if they need to offer different looks, he can he can just do that, and that's cool. Yeah, they're both big. It's gonna fit beautifully when it happens uh but this team is putting the ball in like Nikhil alexander walker's hands at times and stuff like that just just not what you want and so they'll get that i, I was reading through an nba reddit uh thread about canada advancing because they did as you mentioned qualify for the olympics because them in the u.s are now the top two teams from this tournament in their region so they get automatic bids no matter what happens the rest of this world cup so that's very cool but they were talking about how Wiggins, it, it's been rumored that his issue may have been with Nick Nurse. Obviously, I have no idea, but so it's up in the air whether he comes back uh, now. He's never really been a fixture with this program since, you know, he was a younger guy. Um, and then some of the other guys that I don't think we realize are, are potentials here. Brandon Clark, when he is recovered from the ACL, and I think that would go a long way for them, especially as Dwight Powell ages out. Uh, Trey Lyles is not here and i think another compliment to how kelly olenic is able to help them especially with the lack of ball handling as a big who can uh, you know play make a little bit is nice uh and then younger guys shaden sharp eventually could be an option here as well as ben matherin so like they're they're just getting well, started Brent, really here you, you i mean you, you forgot one name if you want veteran big man experience you forgot about tristan thompson 
I didn't forget, actually. <laughs> I did not. Um, but, yeah, man, these guys are fun. I, I think uh, the wing defense, like, check the box. It's solved. They have all of that that they need. They honestly don't even think they need Wiggins, uh, honestly, but it would just make them that much more likely to compete with the U.S. and whatever down the line. Um, as far as the rest of this tournament goes, they're going to go as far as Shea can take them. The way that these defenses are bracketing both Shea and Luka is out of this world. It's like, you know, Mike Prater wrote that spaced out book and has posted a lot of clips of stuff Toronto does where they use like the full court and they have screens at half court and stuff. Luka is doing that. Shea is having to do that because they're just getting completely just swallowed by these defenses and somehow still producing. So that game is going to be a clash of just like the Spider-Man meme of, of offensive styles in the quarters. Just Shea and Luka going at it. But um, any final thoughts on Canada, Spain, Slovenia? Any of that little little bump for a little bump for Spain to, yeah. to kind of have it be this way um again I just I can't help myself but think about Ricky Rubio in this moment and just what's going through his head at this time and hopefully hopefully he's doing okay but also Juan Nunez is fun the, yes. the little dude who they had backing him up he's he's my he might be, might get drafted this year. Very, I don't know if he's big enough or athletic enough to make it in the NBA, but he's fun on the international stage. He's like, you know, uh, Facundo Campazzo type, just like scurrying around. Yeah, uh, born in two thousand four. <laughs> Feel old? Sure. Brendan, I I felt old my entire life. If I'm being entirely honest with you, that's just like part of of my of my life. Um, but when I see born in two thousand four started playing in 2020 i'm just like sure like professionally yeah. in 2020 i'm just like okay cool that's that's nice um the last thing is just look this isn't new but man chase Shay's really good like yeah. it, it we feel very much just we're, we're in an era where sga is going to make like a it, it just feels like sga is going to make a bunch of all nba teams in the next five years and it's going to be awesome to watch him continue like the, he was awesome last year and I think he's still going to get a lot better. I, I have so much fun watching him in this setting. I just can't wait to watch more of him. Well, so real quick, Germany has been dominating without Franz Wagner. We can talk about them. I think they're undefeated. Uh, Dennis Schroeder is playing like a maniac, arguing with his coach, refusing to sit down. Did you see this clip, Chris? Talking to the coach and saying no to sitting down. Dennis on the international stage has uh, Chauncey Billups-sized uh, you-know-whats. Um, but or Sam Cassell, I'm sorry, sized, you know what's. Um, well, but I Australia... Think, I think Dennis always has those because he's out here like telling LeBron some medical secrets. So like, I, I, I think he's just that guy. I think that's where we're at. We've seen him sacrifice in an NBA setting for the greater good of a team, and I don't quite feel like that happens in Germany. He, he sure. seems to own the sure. place. Uh, Australia's out. On the note of SGA, Australia is Josh Giddey's team. Pretty crazy how quickly that happened. I know he's been in their program, and Australia does do a good job. We talked about it with Robbie Callen when we were previewing the tournament. They are one of those countries that you feel like has an actual national style. But the way that Giddy was just able to, like, the ball's just in his hands. Patty Mills is out there. Joe Ingles is out there. Who cares? The ball is in Josh Giddy's hands. I'm of. I tend to just be optimistic, and I think great players can figure it out. I think if they're both bought in and that everybody is on the same page toward the same goal, great basketball players, great athletes in general can just make magic no matter what. I am not positive how Josh Giddy and Shea Gilgis Alexander fit on the same team 
to both be their best. It's going to be really interesting how how and if those dudes can co can coexist and be better than the sum of their parts, or if it is something where they have to be broken up to be their best, and that's fine too if it happens. But it's super interesting because they're both like stock up, 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 and they do a lot of the same things. G- Giddy's had like sixty two percent of two point field goals during this tournament. He's just dunking, like just as if yeah. it's nothing. He's he cuts when he's off the ball. He can drive past his guy. He's dishing the ball everywhere. He plays like more athletic Lonzo, I want to say, or like something like that, but not quite as good defensively, obviously. But like that type of guy is just crazy to watch. And and he just it feels like every time you turn on the TV, he's added like three things to his game. Yeah, I mean he's twenty. Clearly, like has just a feel that is kind of outrageous for for someone his age and for for that Australian national team with the guys that the, the that's a very veteran program, a very prideful program that has had a lot of NBA guys, both current and former, come through. I mean, that's Patty Mills, that's Joe Ingles, that's Andrew Bogut, that's Matthew Dallavadova. Like, that's a lot of dudes who have like carried a certain level. Ben that, Simmons, for him, Kyrie Irving wanted in, you know. Didn't mean to take your thunder there. Go ahead. Yeah, it's fine. Ben Ben Simmons deserves just like I I think we should just put, like honestly, Brendan, stake our claim and let's just be nice to Ben Simmons for six months. It's just disappointing that he wouldn't even play with these guys. Like that'd be really fun. That's yeah, more but why I would be, I threw But the the here's the thing: I would get annoyed because he would be taking away from Giddy. Like really, like honestly, like he'd be kind of taking away some of the giddy juice they have they produce a very similar a, type of player a lot is one of the australia issues i think a lot of their what, guys what if, it's like yeah okay another one can 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 one of you shoot threes would that be nice yeah and that's why joe ingles and patty mills are still getting minutes because they they can make like 40 percent of their threes and not uh yeah not need the ball um dante exum josh green matei steibel these guys are all like you know well, even like even like on the wing, it's like the Cavs have a, a guy they drafted in the second round last year, Luke Travers, who is staying in the NBL for a little bit. He's still really young. He he's maybe best known among NBA draft picks. Is he has like the same hair as uh, Billy from Stranger Things, okay. or like the the golfer Cam Smith, um, like kind of like a mullet looking thing. He also has a barbed wire tattoo, which is a choice in in the year of our Lord at his age. Like I didn't think people that young like got barbed wire tattoos, but I digress. Um, he he like. He's a jack of all trades guy, at like six eight, but he can't freaking shoot. And it's like, yeah, can we, like, can Chip? Can no, they have a type. Like, can we just like, can we export like Chip England to be like the the Australian? We don't like, have to national? export. I'm pretty sure he's Australian. Yeah, but I think he needs to like be kicked out of the NBA to be exported back. He to needs Australia, to go back. So he, yeah, he needs to like fix his culture's like problem shooting the basketball. But so you're a big extradition guy. You like to send <laughs> folks outside of the country that yeah, they're in. Yeah, you know, I, I really, I really like to hold people accountable. The rule of law means a lot to me, Brendan. I don't know if cool. you do that. Cool. Uh, all right, but let's no, go. Look, here's just Giddy. He's clearly just a sponge for this. Mm-hmm. Like he just is, and like it. I'm not. I, this isn't the year to break up him and Shay. Like it's it's no, like a no, year, no, no. but we might not like have to. A, well, like the thing is, if Chet Holmgren comes in and just like is like a pick and pop three, who's like the defensive anchor and all that, then maybe it just fixes it itself. He's going to help their spacing, and we haven't even mentioned Jalen Williams' name, who also could be like close to as good as Giddy or Shea. Potentially. Would you would you would you favor right now if you had to pick one of Jalen Williams, that's Jalen Williams or, or Giddy, would you do you have one who you have ahead of the other right now? I think it's for me it's Giddy. 
but I don't know if that's I have right. to see Jalen Williams another year. Okay. I, I got to kind of, I don't know what his game's going to look like. If it's whatever he was doing at Summer League when they just unleashed him on poor Sacramento Summer League for that one game, then sign me up. If it's, you know, a little bit of a lesser player, then obviously Giddy's ability I, to have the ball is going to win. As, as, look, as, as a bit, I want like a, th- I want like a 10 year NBA veteran who's like made an all star team to just play like one game of Sacramento or Utah Summer League just for, just for the lulls. I wanted to. All right. Uh, let's quickly run through some WNBA games. Um, the Aces got their revenge on the Mystics. I just think Washington needs to figure out its offense was my takeaway from that game. We, we went deep on the Mystics last week, but as much as you can get excited about Elena Deladon, and she is exciting, she's an MVP candidate, went healthy, that team could shoot in a way when they won the title that they don't currently have and the mystics or the aces ceiling offensively, even with all the problems we've talked about, you're going to need to do a little more if you're going to keep pace with them. Yeah. I have nothing to, to add to the aces just like, except when they play the Liberty or like they're on that long road trip, they just, it's like, all oh, right, they're kind of like better than everybody is what it feels like. Uh, Sun Liberty, you, uh, the lip, the Liberty are just like, Look, the Liberty didn't have Sabrina Inescu for this game. She was out. And again on uh, Sunday, she was out. And, like, I believe the team said it wasn't an injury, so we don't exactly understand, like, what is it an illness? Is it, like, whatever it is. She's just kind of out right now. I don't ex- – as of now, I don't think we have reason to think this is, like, a long-term, like, playoff concern thing, but it's a little odd. Uh, the New York Liberty are just – kind of unguardable i think and i i just feel more and more confident that they're going to win the title this this, this game was not competitive they didn't need brianna stewart to like do that much really like laney had a really hot start vandersloot got going john cole jones got going they didn't even have sabrina and it was like not competitive against a, a team that ostensibly like has given had just recently gave them fits yeah. and ostensibly like is a team that could see they could see in the playoffs and it just wasn't competitive like this team is also kind of just better than everyone it feels like and for them to do that without sabrina without stewie needing to score like 28 or whatever like i just feel more and more confident that team's maybe just going to win the whole damn thing yeah i watched them on sunday before just before we were recording today and uh they same thing i mean they did not have UNESCO in this game, which is weird. I, I was looking it up while you were talking because Sandy Brondello did say it was not an injury. And then ESPN has Sabrina in the box score as DNP right calf. They just completely made that up. Well, ESPN it's such a specific has, injury to ESPN say. ESPN in their, in their box scores often has things that are just like wrong. And I've, I've never understood like what the deal is there. But anyway, yes. I mean, uh, Brianna Stewart was great in this game. 26, 14 and five. They don't need her to well, do okay, that, actually, but when she does, well, they're actually, unbeatable. <clears throat> just real quick, in defense of the ESPN box scores, which we talk crap about, the New York Liberty did have a tweet that said Sabrina was out due to a right calf injury. So they, they did exact they did say it was a calf. So And maybe, then the coach said it's not? Or it wasn't before and today the, well, they finally she, identified it? She said the she said the other day it wasn't an injury. Okay. So like maybe she didn't know. Like here's the thing. Coaches are lying all the time. 
NBA, WNBA, NFL, soccer, like every coaches just kind of lie about stuff. And I respect that you turned a questionable timeline into just accusing Sandy Brontello of being a complete liar. But, you know, salute to you, I guess. Uh, I, I'm a big look, fan of Sandy. She knows me. I, I know her. We go back. Look, I, I would never not, say I'm, such a thing. I I'm have not, her cell look, phone I, number. I, like, come on. You got to put respect on her name. She is, she is a liar per se. I am saying that sometimes coaches... Uh, like to to play loose and fast with timelines of things, and if they aren't told something, they can always. The deniability is, I was told this after I talked to you. Absolutely. Usually, yeah. All right. Uh, so the team that the New York Liberty beat is the Chicago Sky. I want them to make the playoffs. We will see if that happens um, or where they end up. And then the Sparks have dropped a couple of ugly games, including the Seattle Storm, which was terrible. They're playing the Washington Mystics as we're recording. We'll see uh, how that levels out. Um, I do think the Lynx are still a team to be watched. We broke them down with Sabrina Merchant at one point this year. Um, it's going to be a diff- It's going to be a difficult route for either Vegas or New York. I think they're going to play in the finals. But what the end of this season is telling us, as these other teams get healthy and especially show their offensive upside, in the case of I would say the Lynx and the Sky, and then the Sparks have a pretty good defense, like. The league is deep. The league is good. The playoffs are going to be fun, and those two teams are going to have to earn it, I guess would be my takeaway before we get to the playoffs. Yeah, I'm also just, like, wondering if, like, would the Sparks just, like, kind of bum me out. What a bummer. Like, Lexi Brown's out for the year. Nekangumake just, like, playing for a bad team as she gets towards her, like... They're just in a transition. Like New coach, you know. Yeah. That's how it goes. We'll see. Well, well, not not optimistic. Um, we'll the moment that everybody's been waiting for, Chris, our season preview series is here. We're going to be going team by team through the entirety of the NBA, starting from the bottom, because we're big Drake guys, and we're just going to break it down. We're going to go most important player. We're going to go player we'll be talking about by the end of the season. Is that the same as breakout? Was that just us trying to get cute and not call it a breakout player? No, I, no, I, I, this for me, when I, when I pitch this to you as a thing, it's just, I want to, I want to stake our claim on like the basketball hipster person is going to okay. be like loving this guy. That, that, so this is like the all guess. just basketball preseason, like watch team, like how the NFL, the, like, yeah. was it like the AP does one or whatever it is? Like, yeah. Uh, no, that's college basketball that they do that for, right? Like yeah. the guys to keep an eye on. So, okay, that's our version of yeah, that. So, but most like, important but player. Like, yeah. Player to like watch. It, it, and that, again, I want us to, I think like this is not maybe the best example of that because like at least my pick for this, for this team is a little bit like I think already kind of an NBA Twitter. Oh, I have a hipster one. Don't worry. I got you covered. Okay. Okay. Cool. 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 Best lineup. Jetty, Jetty Osman. Yeah, it's okay. not Jetty Osman. Best lineup. We're going to go best case scenario and worst case scenario, but in detail, not just like 26 wins or 30 wins. We're going to talk through what each would look like, and then we're going to go over or under. Uh, as soon as our friends at BetMGM get some win totals up, we'll, we'll use theirs. In the meantime, we're going to use unnamed Sportsbook X odds for season-long win totals and tell you whether we think they're going to go over or they're going to go under that total. So... Uh, Kick us off with most important player, Chris. This is just really, really, really um, hard to tell where we're going to go here. But it's Victor. Give it to the people. <laughs> it's Victor Wembanyama. Like this, okay. this season, this era of the Spurs. It's about Victor Wembanyama. 
this this season is about getting him his footing in the NBA. It's about setting him up on a path to success. It's about building good habits. It's about giving him good infrastructure. It's about getting him acclimated to more frequent gameplay, more physical gameplay, a higher level of basketball than he's played before. It's about letting this kid who is a potential uber star, whoever who we've gotten hyperbolic about, maybe not us per se, but a lot of people have gotten hyperbolic about, him on the right foot in the NBA. And this season is not for me, it's about him in every single aspect. It's not about like necessarily what kind of experience you can get him in terms of playoffs or anything like that, but it's about making sure his first year is a success and making sure that when you go to year two and maybe you do want to take a step forward, you are in a position to understand what he is, what he isn't, and how you best need to support him going forward. Agree completely. I think I watched uh, two of their games this week. Wife's out of town, had some free time, did a deep dive on the Spurs, would not recommend. Uh, they, they uniquely needed him especially after Pirtle, this team has no size. And I think that that actually will continue to hurt them this year. Zach Collins is not a rim protector. He never made good on his defensive potential from Gonzaga. That's just not what he is. But they needed rim protection. They needed an interior presence. They needed somebody who could just convert easy dunks and layups around the basket uh, on offense. And then obviously defensively just to block shots and provide any sort of resistance at the basket so i think he he despite what might be a rocky rookie season because of the health questions because of the skill development and everything else as we saw at summer league he's going to make them better like they may not win a ton more games but they're going to be a realer nba team because of him even as a rookie i I feel comfortable saying that yeah and i i to your point i do think it would make sense for them they haven't done it already but you can go get a center just to play next to him and eat fouls and absorb physicality. Like I, the Thunder arguably should like do this as well. But like you could go get Bismack Biombo. I, mean, I don't think they need to go get anybody. I think they'll play. They'll play Collins. They have Ken Birch on this roster. I don't even remember how. Just I'm looking at the roster and the page I'm looking at is telling me Ken Birch is on the Spurs. It may or may not be true. Um, Charles Bassey, who they have, like. I think they have the guys, but I agree with you. They'll play them next to him. Like there, yeah. there will be offensive possessions where he's in the dunker spot or standing in the corner and not very involved, and that's fine. He should just be kept away from getting destroyed his rookie year. It's something Cleveland did with Evan Mobley, who came to the league kind of lean as well. It's something I, I in different ways, even and they're a little further ahead. But I think Oklahoma City is going to do that with Chet. It does it. Like as much as we talk about guys like Victor Wembanyama or all these other leaner centers. Or even Jaron, you know, in Memphis when he was coming in, we think about these guys as their their future is the five. But they, when you hear guys talk about it, when you hear coaches talk about it, when you ask about it, you look at the, you watch the games. Like centers do take a different kind of lumps than than fours do, and if and if you're going to save some of the tread on and Wembenyama and you want to help him figure everything else out and stay healthy and, and maximize his year, I think those are minutes well spent. Even if you're ostensibly a little bit worse in those minutes, or it feels tighter in some ways, I th- I think that's worth it. I, I really yeah. do. Probably no better example than like Anthony Davis, right? Same type of thing. Yes. Um, 
Yeah, I'm looking ahead to your best lineup here, Chris, and it seems like you're disagreeing with yourself a little bit. So I look, gotta I, look. I, the we'll heart wants there. what the heart wants. Can you believe who I put a point guard in that lineup? Though we'll get to it. Yeah, we'll get to. It. I mean that that there is a big conversation I think around Vic as well for with the decision. The and it is a decision. Like I, I guess I like I, I was a, frustrated by the Spurs the more that I thought about them as a team as well for the decision to not add more playmaking to this roster, especially when you have somebody like Wembenyama on this team to not, it doesn't have to be Fred Van Vliet, but they didn't even, they didn't even try a half measure. And it, that does bum me out uh, as far as um, what types, types of lineups they'll be able to well, put and, out there. Just yeah. the overall upside of the team, what he can do around the basket. It's, it's going to be, there's going to be a lot of games where his paint, touches his paint scoring comes by way of his own post-ups and like or offensive rebounds and that just not what i would have done but he's also not a supernatural rim roller he never he doesn't really play that way in france so maybe they just want him to kind of learn that over the overall too so i cheated a little bit for most important player i knew we were going to talk about vic so i did somebody else so that that would free me up for a different uh you know preseason watch list dude so i went with vassell for most important player because I think this guy has all-star potential. Yeah. This is the next Mikhail Bridges, and he has the skill set to be better than Mikhail Bridges. So six first-round picks? Yeah. I think Devin Vassell is an incredibly good basketball player. He is the type of guy where when you watched him, even in the mess of whatever San Antonio was doing, they don't play their guys a ton of games, so every night it's a different lineup. He was in and out of the lineup himself. Everybody was young, not a lot of good players on this team, and he jumps out despite all of that on both ends of the court. Like he just is good. Like it does there's no caveats to that. High level shooter from three and mid range already, on the move, pull up, catch and shoot, whatever context, he is a killer shot maker already. And last year, he's at four point two assists to just one point seven turnovers per thirty six minutes. That that doesn't even feel like it. That should that feels like it should be like three years from now. That development for him, considering he was like one of these Florida State alien wings when he was coming out. Like he he was supposed to be the same as like I mean not Jonathan Isaac because they're different players, but like that was the billing right. And now he's already like making the right play, setting guys up, making skip passes to the corner and, you know, hitting the roller and all this different type of stuff. Like to me, Devin Vassell is a flat out legit good player just hiding in plain sight on this bad team. And he will break out. It's just a matter of when. He's my answer for player we'll be talking about the end of the season. I think he's probably their their best non-Victor Wominyama case for future All-Star at this point. Everything he said about this game is true. And I think there's going to be at some point someone... Is it going to write a piece of like, how did this guy fall to 11 in the 2020 draft? I understand that's the COVID draft. I understand everything about this was weird. But if you look at like the guys picked ahead of him in that draft, like you can make a case. He's like going third, going fourth. Like, like he is absolutely someone that should have gone higher in this draft. And maybe they look at him at six, like at six, five and like a little skinny when he came in and all that stuff and got a little scared. But the dude's just a legitimate two way player whose offensive ceiling we're learning that it's higher and higher and higher every single year. And, like, this is someone that, if you think about what Wembenyama is going to be and kind of needs to carry him forward a little bit, I think this is the right kind of player to, to really pull help help get Vic going. Um, mm-hmm. We should know last year 
only played 38 games. Yeah. I understand they were bad. You know, maybe he plays otherwise. So, like, some of his numbers from last year, I think you do have to look at and say, okay, can we see this over 75 games this year instead of just 38? I, yes. I think there's there's that, that to me is very fair. So that's part of this for me as well. Like, does he stay healthy all year and put up, you know, roughly the same numbers, if not a little bit better numbers yeah. than he did last year in his limited games to really validate what we're seeing? He's going to. Um, I'm, I, I just feel like, super confident saying that i, I mean not, I not that it's not a question too. i do too yeah you're right i mean you have to prove it i'm not trying to like get ahead of ourselves but like that's the thing of just how it just it, it nothing he's doing is a fluke right like nothing none of how he's getting those numbers is some sort of accident and i think the the low turnovers and the efficiency like that's where you kind of need to look i think to me defensively is a question because he does he's a little hunched he he mm-hmm. kind of his posture, his fluidity of motion, all that stuff is not super athletic in how he moves around the basketball court. And to be a, a lockdown defensive one-on-one player, he will need to grow into more of a physical, swarming mobile defensive player right now he's an excellent team defender because he's long, he knows where to be, he blows stuff up. But if he's going to be a stopper, that evolution has to come to. I think that's the thing I would be saying I'm watching this year. Yeah, and I, and I think for him, it's going to be more point of attack than it is like apex wing wing scores because he is 6'5". Like, this and thin, like you like, said. Not super thin, yeah. but he's thinner, yeah. No, but he doesn't like... I, like it, Jake Jake Stevens can absentially him with the belt for this, but if you, wanted, like, if you wanted to make the case for like Okoro over him in that draft, and Okoro goes 5, Vassell goes 11, and one of them is clearly a much better player than the other at this point. Part, I think, the case for Isaac Okoro was, like, the guy is just, like, has a NBA body and is strong as hell and is built, and Vassell is a little thin, and he's susceptible, yeah. I think, to being bullied in a way that Okoro isn't, and I and I think that that does have value. Like, that is a thing where it's, like, if he's Functional defending, strength is, to me, like, the number one value thing you can have as a defender. Yeah, and yeah. it's, like, if you're, and if you're San Antonio... And look, you know, they're not at the stage yet, but if you're talking about him defending your Tatums, your Jalen Browns, your, you know, your bigger guards, like a, like an ant in, in, in that yeah. kind of guy, or Donovan Mitchell or Devin Booker. Like, yeah. he, he's going to have, I think, a, he has to prove that I think he can handle the absorption of that. The benefit for him, of course, that he now is Victor Wembanyama playing behind him to co- cover some of that up. But if he's going to yeah. maximize, if he's going to help support Victor Wembanyama as best he can, I do think there is a, a step up he can take defensively. And... If you look at the other guys they have on the perimeter, there is Keldon Johnson. But, like, you know, what is Branham? What is Blake Wesley? Like, there's a lot of guys who I don't think are necessarily great defensive prospects either in, mm-hmm. in San Antonio's system. All right. So, Blake Wesley, who you just mentioned, that's my player we'll be talking about. This is such a this is such a deep hipster cut. Now, I'm really going to, like... I it's need a first-round pick, like, like, recently. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, but now I'm going to, like... I. I had a. I already had when we do the Pistons. I already have like a name picked out, and I think I'm just going to try to pick like an even more hipster one, just to like. I, We're just going to make it a competition. A, yeah, I'm gonna. Yeah, and like I want to. I, I mean, I'm a draft one. guy, dude, at heart. Like I've, yeah. I, I went to like New Mexico State games to watch Travell and Queen. Like I, you know, oh I do God. this. I, I'm, I'm, I'm living it. So you gotta. You should. So you, when are you flying in for the Portsmouth Invitational, we can drive down together from Cleveland. That's my question. Love to go. All right, three and a half hours. We can we can make a trip out of it. I know. I thought Portsmouth was in the Northeast. No, 
No, I don't. No. I, I thought it was in like Rhode there. Island or something. No, I think it's in Portsmouth, Ohio. Oh, okay. You're probably right. If that's the name of the city in a place you live near, then I, I'm going to defer. I'm pretty to you. sure. All right, Blake Wesley. The statistical oh, case no, is actually yeah, not it's in Virginia. It's Virginia. Virginia. Okay. Yeah. The the statistical easy. case is not great for Blake Wesley. Um, 99 to 65 assists to turnover last year. He shot well from deep, but that's about it. The dude had like astronomically low two point figures. He uh, 18% for mid range, 45% at the rim. But he shot 47% from two at Notre Dame. And I think he's a pretty good point of attack defender also. He's probably going to be a one position defender. He's he's also on the small side and, and is not super tall either. But as we were talking about with guys who can kind of create advantages and distribute, uh, dish and distribute to Vic, Wesley, I think, has the potential to be that. He can get downhill. He's quick. He's shifty. Um, he can be physical as a defender. He can be physical as a driver, even though he's small. So to me, a lot of this season by them not getting a great point guard is Branham or Wesley. They want one of them to be that guy or at least see if they can be. And those guys were in summer league playing with Vic and everything. So that's what they're telling us with the way they've built this roster. I kind of see Malachi Branham as a little more of a bench scorer personally. I think he has the mentality of just like, I'm going to get downhill. I'm going to take my mid-range pull-ups. I'm going to do whatever. And I think Wesley has more of a potential to be an actual, maybe not like, you know, a Chris Paul point guard, but like what 2023 needs a point guard to be, you know, can dribble, can initiate, can defend ones and can kind of, you know, force rotations from a, a, a defense. And, I don't know if that all happens this year, but you definitely want to see steps in that direction. Rookie point guards take a while. Young point guards take a while. But you you got to see a little bit. Otherwise, you have to start thinking about a different plan. G League stats were pretty interesting for him. I don't know if you looked at these. Um, I can't say like, I watched his G League games. I'm not even going to like try to say I watched Austin Spurs games. Um, it's okay. You're good. You're in the clear. Clear. Yeah. Okay. I do. I, I will say, if you have a G League team near you, kind of a fun time. Very excited to watch a bunch of Amoni Bates in the G League this year. It's going to be like random and weird. You say uh, that now, I'll, and you're going to watch like half of one game. Let's be honest. You're going to watch all 82 right. Cavs games and a bunch of other NBA for this show, and then you're going to catch G League for Canton. I don't think Here's so. The, no, well, I call Cleveland, BS. And I, Brandon, I can walk to the arena now. Is the problem? Oh, they're in Cleveland now. Okay, but still, yeah, you're not. You're not going to. I, I can ride my. I can ride my bike there. Um, couple. I believe that you want to. I don't believe it's going to happen. Yeah, that's true. Okay. Um, 11 games last year, 29.7 minutes, 20.7 points per game, 43.7% from the field, took 17.9 attempts per game from the field, uh, 37.5% from three, 4.4 4. 4 attempts per game, got to line three points two times, uh, 2.9 assists versus 2.9 turnovers, 3.7 rebounds. Like That's the thing. He needs number. to... He needs to finish and he needs to turn down his uh, turnovers. That's the thing. Those are the two offensively. And then defensively, if he can just keep being a point of attack guy, then great. They don't, you know, he's not going to switch. He's not probably going to hold up in those, at least not early on. But he he intrigues me. I think Branham could be good too. I just see Branham as more of like a... Luxury. Just a bench scorer, just like uh, at least right now. He's big, but I just I, the way he plays right now doesn't seem conducive to being like the starting point guard on a team where he's like the third or fourth best guy. Maybe that changes. Yeah, he but. had well, I mean, he had the, the his 
comp coming out of college, I think that I saw a lot that makes some sense to me is Karis Levert, and we understand what Karis Levert is like. That kind yeah, of player. Branham is yeah, Levert and Branham. That, that I get that for sure. It's it's innings eating. It is has some usage. It can be a little bit hot or cold, but it's not like your perfect fit. Like this team, probably if we were going to talk about like what they might spend a draft pick on in a year, like I think there's a good case that it's like if they get the right lottery pick and the board's a certain way, like maybe it's just you take the, the highest ring point guard in that class. Yeah, very easily could be. I thought, you know, if they hadn't won the lottery, we all thought Scoop might made sense here, right? So, all right. So um, I'll turn best lineup over to you. I will let you and the audience know that I'm expecting that this will be our TikTok pullout for these season preview shows. So I'm going to try to rapid fire mine off quick, but you okay. can uh, you can guide us through yours first i i will i will do the same to to ostensibly get us going on tiktok stuff we have maybe you should we should announce later uh what we've added to our tiktok but i digress all right here's my lineup campaign at point guard i just pick the veteran they have on the roster to keep the ship running on time i'm not saying this is sexy but i think campaign was pretty good for the suns and, and what they needed him to do i think he's more than capable just to run the ship here and do what they need him to do you get then to vassell we talked about him Keldon Johnson, I think, is going to be your point, your main defender in a lot of ways and is just like a good, competent NBA player. Jeremy Sohan, we haven't talked about, could have put him as player we'll be talking about at the end of the season. He, he was, an, I, I thought that's where you were going to go instead of Blake Leslie, another really good player. I know I'm skewing small here, but I really like him and I want to put all these guys on the floor together. And then you have Victor Wembanyama at the five. Again, I understand there's physicality concerns, but I think the lineups where we see Wembanyama at the five are going to be fascinating. And I think these lineups are going to have so much modern stuff and skill in them that I think they're going to whip. They're absolutely going to be fun and effective, even if there are some real lumps to, to be taken here. All right. My best lineup for the 2023-24 San Antonio Spurs, Trey Jones, steady, yeah. can get to his floater game, distributes, nothing sexy, not that great, but serviceable Devin Vassell who I think is going to take a huge step forward we talked about him he's a killer shooter can create off the bounce defensively coming along the best lineups for bad teams have shooting on them so I went Doug McDermott at the three still on this team maybe people forgot that dude can shoot has size has been in the league Zach Collins, I want a little bit of support next to Vic. I want a little bit of size. I think his distribution and playmaking and floor spacing last year for them was pretty important. He's big, if nothing else. Defensively can at least stand around the basket and not make Vic's life so painful. And then, as I've said his name now multiple times, Victor Wembanyama will be on this lineup as well. They need rim protection. They need finishing. They need size. He's going to be out there if he's healthy and Pop lets him play. That's my five. Shooting, size, veterans, has it all. I think you're probably right. I just answered this question. It's fun. Well, let's talk real quick. Uh, we'll get to best case, worst case, and over-under because those are pretty quick to close things out. But two guys we haven't talked about who just came up in your lineup. I'm not a Keldon Johnson guy. I am not a Keldon Johnson guy if you're going to tell me this guy is like a future all-star kind of guy. But if you told me that he was like on a team that won a lot of playoff games because he gives you defense and is switchable. I, I don't think he gives you that. defense. Uh, see, I, I look, this might just be like a blind spot for me, but I just kind of maybe it's that gold medal rub for him because he does have a gold medal. Um, the guy's like 6'6 and is okay. not a great athlete. 
I'm not positive what he does defensively. And offensively, he, he can be a good shooter, I think. But I think his tendencies skew toward give me the ball a little bit more than I would like. And again, it, that was the case with all these Spurs players last year. Every single player on this roster you could have said that about outside of like Kata Bates-Diop or somebody who, you know. But uh, for the most part, they were just playing, you know, pretty shapeless basketball. So I don't want to hold that against him too much. But anyway, to, to stop the rant, I, I just do think like he's theoretically 3 and D, but plays like he kind of wants to be Tobias Harris. It's tough. Yeah, you might be right. I, I still, I guess, just have some belief and like what I like what I see when I watch. Um, so I'm going to just hold some optimism. And I, I, I just have like a... I have a thing for having I, – I am oftentimes like a little late on, on seeing some of the flaws on this type of player. Um, and certainly like his three-point percentage drop last year from a really good year the year before is concerning. But I guess I'm still just – I'm holding fast a little bit. I'm or he might be like sorry. old Royce O'Neal. Like what Royce O'Neal is now where he's not actually that great defensively, but he just gets up a lot of threes, makes a decent amount, can kind of do something with the ball in his hands. That might be what Keldon Johnson is, but that guy's, you know, whatever. I, I don't want to be too negative because he's young, but he has to change how he plays too, I think would be the way that I would put it. Jeremy Sohan is the other one. I'm not going to be positive or negative. I just have no fucking idea what this guy is. I don't, I have but zero I, clue what he is as a basketball player. It but you is want to find best out, right? form. But you want to find out is the thing. I think like there's enough on film I think more than anything else, more than like what the numbers tell you or anything, he to me is like the ultimate, like if you watch this dude, you understand there's something kind of interesting and weird here. And I really just want to see what it ends up looking like. Of course. I think he's really talented. He plays very hard. Yes. He is also a player. And this is true of a lot of young players. And I think Vic will help them start to be able to understand. That's why I think having Pirtle last year was not bad for them. I, and I think they should have traded him, but I think having him in place was smart. You we, can't you measure young players yet. defensively without structure. If you just have no rim yeah. protection, no point of attack defense, and you're just like, all right, guys, roll it out. Like, you have no idea what anybody is. So I think Vic will help that too. But Sohan to me is very theoretical on defense. I'm not quite sure what he is because I don't think he's big enough to be some sort of rim protector. He's switchable. He probably can switch one through four. But is he big enough to guard like, you know, LeBron or whatever version of LeBron comes along? Luca in the future, I don't know. I don't know if he's big enough and strong enough to do that. Um, so really to me, like his kind of like get grab and go game offensively and some of that stuff is what he does that helps teams the most. Like ball movement, kind of pressure on the defense, but he's not really a threat to score all the time. And it's weird. He is a ball of clay for sure. It's a hard player to know even like, I mean, it's not going to be hard for Greg Popovich, but like, it's hard for me to know even like what lineup context makes the most sense for him. I'm just like, see what he does. I don't know. You know? Yeah. I just want, I just, I just want to find out. Um, and that to me, just, I just, again, I, I might answer best lineup more, at least with some of these teams lower on, on the lower end, I might just skew more like fun and we learn things more than like. This is their best thing for me. Well, I think like I think, highest upside lineup, you could have a case, right? Like, you know, the ones yeah. that look the best, even though the stats might not, not show it. I think that's fair. Yeah. All right. Uh, best case, worst case. Can I start yeah. with best case, Brendan? Sure. 
I think this season's just all about like my dog is making an appearance. He wants to have an opinion about best case too. He's begging to go out. See him. What, what a king! What a king! All right, go ahead. Or is, it a, is it is it a king or a queen? I I don't know what king. the gender. It's a, it is okay. a it is a gentleman. What did you? What is your dog's name? Dingo. I I love that so much. As the, the YouTube audience can see, the ears are the reason the name. You know, you're also just big Australian. Uh, yeah, I'm a big Josh Kitty guy, as we talked about. So just yeah. an ode. You just really in a deli, like almost killing himself. I think Josh Giddy was. I don't know how they do school over there in like sixth grade when my dog was born. So probably not an ode to him. That'd be kind of a weird thing to do. I'm just really yeah, into this just, sixth grader. Just basketball after dark is actually just going to be Brendan and I learning how they do school in Australia. Okay. Be careful. Cause I was talking about young people and you said after dark. So let's move. Let's keep it moving. Best case scenario for the Spurs. <laughs> okay. You, you did that. Not me. Um, just trying to clear right. the air that that's not okay, what we're okay, doing. Okay. 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 All right. Uh, best case, worst case. So best case, yeah. well, just best case specifically. I I don't really care. Like necessarily. I think the best case for them is that they understand what is going to dr- like that. They are like who drives winning on this team, and that Victor Wembanyama is part of that. I don't. I don't necessarily think the best case is set on number of wins, on mm-hmm. being in the playing race necessarily. Although I think that would help. I think you. I think what you want to avoid is is what happened with the Pistons last year, which is where you get to March and it feels soulless and dead. I think the worst thing that could happen for this is that this there's no energy by the time the All Star break comes and goes. To me, if you can get it, the, the later you can get in the season. And guys are still fighting, competing, and you're building something, and you're you're learning value. You're getting valuable data points. You're getting a good film. You're getting good on court experience. That's all. This is the best case is that that lasts as long as possible. And if you happen to be fighting for like be on the fringe and not eliminated from the playing tournament until like March twentieth, then then God bless. That's a great outcome. But I think if you're the longer they can fight, the better the season goes for them. Best case I had. Similar to what you're saying. Well said. Vic makes an impact on both ends right away. The young guards play more efficiently and they push for a play-in spot. Yeah. I think Wesley uh, and Branham, like a lot a lot is riding on them this year. If they're yeah. better than expected and take a step forward, the team will be re- respectable. Um, worst case, I had Branham, Wesley, and Sohan are still negative players as they continue to develop and they have top three lottery odds once again. Yep, same. I, th- I think if you come away from this year and you don't feel good about anybody besides like Vassell and Wembenyama, then I think you're in a you're in a you're in a bad spot. You know how well we did? We didn't say Wemby once. Neither of us slipped into it. We're just instituting you've, you've bro- a culture. You've here. broken you, you've broken it out of me. Well, we don't want to sound like children or babies or. Brendan, you know, I'm not whatever. even kidding you. I when I Victor Wembenyama comes up in conversation in my real life because he like it just comes up sometimes because whatever. I have said Wemby, and then I correct myself. Good. And you should. All right. uh, Sounds like a cartoon character when you say it that way. All right. uh, Under 29.5 for me. Last year, they had the point Uh, differential of a 19-win team. They didn't upgrade a ball handler. They didn't add any more size, really. They decided this will be another developmental season. They're telling us they're going to lose. I'm going to believe them. They also will rotate players and rest a lot of players. Nobody on this team last season played more than 68 games. So they will intentionally sit their good players, which will take away wins as well. So I don't even think they get close. I go under as well, and I think that kind of puts them in a weird spot as far as competing for the play. And the Thunder were the 10th seed in the West last year with 40 wins. Yeah, they're not going to... 
if, if things go according to what we think, I don't think they're going to push for the plan. No, and I and I think that could make March and April kind of tough. But we can get there, I guess, when we get there. And I, I think we'll see. You know, and of course, you just again, I, I think if you might, this might feel like a, like you could have maybe twenty five wins this year and get good odds still, and still feel coming away okay. I think. Like I think. Yeah, there's a way you mentioned you the Pistons. You, like that got ugly because Cade was hurt. As long as they're healthy, even if yes. they lose, this season will have a lot of value. I mean, Vic will be a lot better by March than he is in October, right? Yeah, you would. You would. I. Th- I th- I think we are gonna. I think there is a high likelihood he's one of the few rookies that actually like really contributes to winning, and like you pair that with guys that are gonna get to learn on the fly, and I think you end up in the middle of kind of the best case, worst case. I think is the pragmatic outcome for the Spurs. Yeah, I'm fascinated. I, you know, way too early to talk about next year's draft, but whatever their roster starts to shape up, like this draft for them will kind of be the last piece, hopefully, right? Like it's kind of the. The last time they're in deep in the lottery, the last time they have a really, really bad season and they need to kind of think about position and fit, not just talent and everything. So where they land in the lottery and who they end up targeting is going to be subtly pretty interesting. Not a great draft, but we'll see. Yeah, I mean, there are some guards in that top 10. There are some wings that play with the ball in their hands in that top 10 that if you wanted to like excise Keldon Johnson out of there or whatever... Um, I mm-hmm. they're, they're certainly Buzelis is guys. A, just just tailor made to be a spur. Unfortunately for all of us, just like white dude grew up in America, but has Croatian dad. Six ten can dribble, maybe can shoot, maybe can't. Like pops already has a, look, a little bit the, of a shrine the, probably to him. Like the funniest thing about him that I've seen so far is I, the one of the com- I don't like player comps very much. I I kind of reject them because I just okay. don't find them very helpful. I I just find them often kind of like mean. Like, I just, like... I think usually they're too optimistic, honestly. Yes, it's always like, think it, Matos Bezelis will be Chet Holmgren well, with a jumper. or You know what I mean? So, Whatever it is, like, so okay, the, the, chill. The, the, comp, the comp for him that I saw, and I can't remember where this is from, was, like, was like, was like bigger Mike Dunleavy Jr. Yeah, that that is kind of mean, because it's like, yeah. Mike Dunleavy Jr. can't dribble. So... <laughs> Yeah, just so like, like he's like, a shooter, but so a little like, taller. Congrats. Yeah, he's, he, he's like a white... Yeah, like what? So. Yeah. All right, that'll wrap us up. Uh, we both had under 29 and a half, but I think the Spurs will be a pretty fun team. I think a lot of people will be watching the San Antonio Spurs. I get to see them at home the first week of the season in Phoenix. I'm very excited for that. Uh, and we're going to be talking about this team, I think, quite a bit, Chris. Yeah, uh, I think this is going to be... A very fun year, and I'm really excited to see what the environment is like for Victor Wembanyama games on the road. I think that's going to be a really cool thing to see how the hype for him translates into fans in opposing arenas in the way like it kind of has for Zion and some other mm-hmm. guys that have come out. That'll wrap us up. A big thank you to Dylan Heiser and Zayon Huda, who are our social production people. That was the announcement Chris was alluding to. We saved it for the end, an hour 20 in. Oops. But follow us everywhere. Wherever you are on social media, we are there as well, pumping stuff out for you guys. We will be going through the WNBA playoffs and beyond, and then NBA will be here in no time. So thank you for listening. Continue to do so, and we'll catch you guys on Wednesday. (laughs) 